Welcome to the Intimacy Connection Talk Show, where women discover all the ways this is their time for love, companionship, and extraordinary intimacy. Featuring co-hosts Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer, who are international speakers, authors, and thought leaders in the areas of advanced human sexuality and relationships. So get ready to turn up the heat from hot flash to red hot romance. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lopez. And Michael today is absent. He is um, recuperating from um, side effect of medication. He has um, two types of cancers, and he's uh, dealing with side effects of one of the medications. So we fortunately won't have uh, Michael with us today, but I am ready to roll. And to begin with, I would like to just explain who are the kind of people we bring in our show um, for that conversation about sex and intimacy. Well, always bring bring up people who are real, like quote unquote real. I'm gonna. I have a little bit of a noise echo here, but I think it's gonna go away. Uh, real people is what we bring in our show. Um, not so not not so much the people who are so proclaimed icons from some special specially field academic credentials. We don't look at people's academic credentials. We want real people who experience in their lifetimes, and sometimes they put their work in books, in websites, they put on uh, so any kind of social media. I always seeking out to and reach out to people who are real, and I reiterate that because that's what we have today, a real woman who is someone who have written many, many articles in her website and helped many, many, many women to connect with themselves, with their true self, who with uh, the, the one that is sometimes asleep inside us. And, and most of the time, as women, we need to wake up the goddess in us. I welcome today Elise Carr, Welcome this morning for the Intimacy Connection talk show, Elise, directly from Australia. Hi, Jacqueline. Thank you so much, lovely lady, for having me on the Intimacy Connection show this morning. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to chat, and I'm sending all my love to Michael as well while you take some rest time. So thank you for mm-hmm. having me. Oh, thank you for sharing. Um, an odd hours for you. It's our morning, but um, I hear the energy coming out from you despite the fact that it's the middle of the night there so let's yeah. start yeah let's, let's let's begin this by knowing who is, is elise um instead of reading your bio from your website which i consider i mean for anyone just reading something i'd rather ask you how do you come about this career how do you decided this is something that I can teach people. I'm going to, you know, just, just be the guidance. How do you, how do you decided of, uh, for this career, career choice in your life, uh, Elise? 
Sure. It's a great question. It's a big question, Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. I, part of me says, you know, since I came out of the womb, it must have been part of my fabric. This has to be part of my soul. But I didn't always know that. I started off in a very different field. I was an international model and a foreign correspondent journalist, both successful at some point, but not nourishing for my soul. And I didn't feel like I was being of service. It wasn't, it just didn't feel right. So I reached a crossroads in my career where I was working a lot. I was never interested in the sex, drugs and rock and roll of my industry, so to speak, but Mm. I worked very hard and I was pushing myself to the limit. I was away from my loved ones. I was just emotionally, physically, mentally somewhat exhausted trying to juggle this this life. And being on the other side of the world from my partner at the time, as well as my family, was a big challenge. And I found myself wanting more intellectual stimulation. So I started reading Buddhism. But mm-hmm. even that wasn't it. And I found myself coming back to Australia. And within five days, I was actually hospitalized with a oh, cyst wow. on my ovary that ruptured. And my heart flatlined four times. <laughs> And mm. the, the interesting thing was, and I became a case study in the hospital because each time my heart started again on its own. So I was actually told by the cardiologist after I was disgustingly healthy and thank goodness I was working out the way I was and I was eating the healthy food I was, but there was still a disconnect and a disconnect between, you know, that sacred sexual space, the yoni space we call mm-hmm. the female reproductive mm-hmm. area and my heart space. In hindsight, it's pretty clear what was going on, mm-hmm. but it took me a bit of time to get out of recovery and realize that everything I associated myself with was no longer a part of me or wasn't actually me in inverted commas. Like you said, real, you know, I thought I was a journalist. I thought I was a model. I thought I was a girlfriend. All these things just fell away because I could no longer get a real job with my degree. I could no longer walk on the catwalks at that point. And my partner left me. I was a shell of myself, but actually I was starting to become more me than ever before because I realized I wasn't what I did and I wasn't the roles that I played in life. And I was 22 at the time, so I was kind of young and, you know, we're aware that our 20s are about exploration. So I decided it was time that I started figuring out, you know, what I really want and how I really want to be. And it was from there that I went back and studied my master's in communications and cultural politics and women's studies. And then that led me, you know, further along the path to go get my Reiki master's and coaching certificates and then study Tantra and get certified and and just collect this kind of soulful, you know, spiritual as well as intellectual bag of of tricks, I suppose you can call it, you know, and mm-hmm. I've just I've gathered as I've gone and and now like eleven years on, I've I've kind of merged it all together to bring mm-hmm. together what I call sacred guidance, which is like psychology for the soul, where we go beyond just the physical, beyond just the emotional, beyond just the mental, and we elevate that to go on a pursuit for consciousness and a deeper connection of who we really are and how we're here to serve and then merging that with my tantra which is like the coming together of sacred sexuality and spirituality where we don't ignore the body because tantra sees everything we can't have day without night we can't have summer without winter so having that kind of perspective i'm able to assist women and men and couples and then i've kind of got my third door of offering which is more the healing side of things whether that's you know working from a reiki perspective or doing distant healing or any modality that i can kind of pull from and sometimes i weave it all together because 
this is bespoke work. Every person that comes to me, every couple that comes to me, every group that comes to me is very different. We, of course, have so many similarities. We're all human. We're all having a human experience, but we have individual needs. And to me, meeting the people that come to me, where they're at is the most important thing, whether they're very advanced on the path, whether they're very new to this, whether they're going through trauma, breakup, health crisis, relationship breakdowns, all different things. So through life experience very much so as well as my professional, you know, studies and expertise, it all comes together to serve. And and now I feel like I'm actually being of service. Now I feel like I'm honoring what I'm here to be doing. So it feels right. And I know there's a lot of growth. I believe even though we might be masters, we're always students on the path. So I will be doing this for the rest of my life in some capacity and it'll continue to evolve. And I feel the most nourished so far that I have ever in my career, that's for sure. Wow. I, when I read your tagline, it says merging sexuality, spirituality, and soul with truth, love, wisdom, and beauty. And that really resonated with me because I have been in that, in that treadmill of working. You know, when we are programmed by our family, our, our school system, the society to be someone just to get the monthly income so we are programmed since childhood that once you have to go to school you graduate then you have to marry you have to children you know what i mean all this programming that we we come in this life and it's nothing nothing soul fulfilled none of those activities is and sometimes people die with with that belief that that was life most people elise and and see if you agree with me are asleep I completely yeah. asleep. They feel like their career, that they are their career. So they dedicate their whole, their entire life is their career. Or sometimes, uh, they, especially women, they think, I'm a mother. And then they stop there. Like, I am a mother. That's it. And we live in this illusion that that's who we are. When what we do is, is not who we are. And who, who we are self instead of doing, being, you know what I mean? That, that, that difference. In pe- most women are completely clueless about this. And sometimes, like in your case, a life crisis kind of shake you up, put you through the blenders. And finally, you find yourself. But sometimes, most of the time, uh, people don't have this, this episode in their life. And they just go about life believing that that's life. And, yeah. and it's, it's pretty sad. And um, so what do your, your family think about your radical transition from one, you know, from being a corporate, corporate world person to becoming who you are now? I mean, or, or sometimes people say, I don't care. It might be that's your case. But how did your, your family and people who knew you took this 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 uh, transition because I, I want our listeners to pay attention how they can do the same type of transition that you've done for their own life. Sure. That's a really good question, actually, Jacqueline. And, and I know it's very important to many people because we care about what people think of us and mm-hmm. more so the people that we love. And that can be a tricky thing because it can be to our detriment and demise or it can be to our ascension. For me, it wasn't a big factor when I was going through recovery and I was home, often alone, watching reruns of the OC at the time, or, 
you know, Sex in the City, I realized mm-hmm. I, I needed something. And it was actually my auntie in England who suggested, because this is before social media, this is before Facebook. I was like on MSN, Messenger, and an email. And I used to write epic emails about my journey, modeling, and all these kind of things. And she's like, why don't you combine all these emails and, and write a book? And it was it was her guidance as my auntie, that little seed she planted that I held on to. And so I did start writing a book. And obviously now it's 11 years on, I'm seeking a publisher. But it was that little shift on my path, supported actually by family, that made me realize I'm actually meant to be doing something else that can serve greater. My mom has been 100% behind me in every decision I've ever made. My dad, he's wanted to support me but hasn't really understood what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's still love there. They they still know I'm fundamentally doing this to be of service, and that's been a big part. As long as we are here to do something that is greater than us, it was never about the success or accolades. It was me finding my way that I can shine to guide. Yeah. Yeah. So with that understanding. We, we, we'll be back in a few seconds after the commercial to continue this conversation. We'll be back after commercial. Stay tuned. We will be back momentarily with more of the Intimacy Connection Talk Show with hosts Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer. It's Marching One evening in 1929, William Lear and Elmer Wavering of Quincy, Illinois, were out driving with their girlfriends. One of the girls suggested it would be even more romantic if they could listen to music. The guys liked the idea and started tinkering with installing a home radio in the car. They sold their idea to a radio manufacturing company and applied for a loan with a local banker to get production started. Thinking it might sweeten the deal, they installed one of their new radios in the banker's vehicle. Unfortunately, the banker's car caught on fire and they didn't get the loan. They must have felt like Dunder Klumpens. Not giving up, they drove to a radio convention and sat outside in the car with the radio blasting. Soon orders were pouring in and taking a cue from the Victrola because their radio was going in a car. They called it the Motorola. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With food prices creeping up, it's easy to exchange healthy, fresh food for processed, low-nutritional food. But don't do it. According to Organic Gardening, you can eat seven healthy foods and still stay on a budget. They suggest you eat oatmeal, which is only about $3 a pound. Onions are the same price per pound and very good for you. Dry beans are another good choice at about $2 per pound, depending on the variety. Garlic is very healthy and only $1 per pound. Cayenne pepper is packed with nutrients and sells for about $3 a jar. Celery is $1.99 a bunch, while fresh tomatoes are only $1 per pound. By choosing these seven foods and others, you really can eat healthy food and stay on a budget. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. We are back to continue our conversation with our hosts, Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer, on the Intimacy Connection Talk Show. And the Intimacy Connection this morning have the privilege to talk to the lady behind Stella Muse. That's how you're going to find her online, Stella Muse. Dot com. She's Elise Carr, and we were talking about, um, I sort of um, kind of, we, we cut it a little bit short. You were explaining how your family was taking 
this journey, this new journey of yours, um, supporting you. Some, and your father is the one that still doesn't understand quite much about what you do, but you keep going because sometimes you just have to be that, that committed to yourself. This is you. Most of the time where we try to please everybody, and then once you please everybody and you become a bitter person and then they cannot deal with you. So I think letting go, letting go the attachments of what people think about us, a very important component to transition to your true self. Elise. Definitely, definitely. And to be honest, it, it's not even me. It's, it's bigger than me. This is what I what I choose to get up and do every day because it's like what I finally am in alignment to do and I know people are benefiting from this and that's the main thing. So it all comes back to service. So even if I was told, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, it actually wouldn't matter. I'm coming from beyond personality because that to me right. is just a personality. It's their fear of the unknown or this isn't conventional. It was, you know, you could have just got a job at a magazine or, you know, well, I, I tried that. It didn't really fit with me because I didn't really care for the things that they wanted me to write about. I want mm-hmm. there to be the the drive of purpose of service. So for me, I, I have love and deep respect for my family, and I always will. But this is beyond that because it's so much greater. So as for anyone out there, for you have this desire within you that you know you want to serve, and it means a career change or a relationship change or a city change, whatever that is. Then you have to explore that and most likely you have to honor it or you won't actually find peace within yourself and you won't find harmony within yourself because you'll be living for others to please them as opposed to living for others to serve them. There's a distinction. So that's mm-hmm. something to, to ponder on, I think. Mm-hmm. And really the, the way I think it, I, I subscribe to Buddhism and we we have the where we are born is just an accident i mean i was born in in brazil and south america and i came from a very paternalistic society so guess what what they expect from me is to get married um with uh, someone who is fina- financially sound to have children and to continue the programming but i decided to do something completely different like you did and i needed to be strong for myself and I uh, needed to stand up for myself. If, that, if I don't stand up for myself, who would do it? And that's yeah. exactly what you did. So how do you how do you continue this this um, this journey? You found probably mentors and teachers that kept you going. Tell us about that. To be honest, that was really challenging. I did have, you know, a, a lady who oversaw my work when I was doing my master's who I had a lot of respect for intellectually, professionally, academically, and her guidance and her input was was very instrumental in that phase of my life. And then from there, there was quite a gap until I found my next teacher that I deeply resonated with. And in that time, I, I moved to Paris. I literally packed up a couple of suitcases and left on my own. And I had to do that to literally die, kill off the rest of me that wasn't serving Mm -hmm. to be reborn. So I I really isolated myself. I wasn't interested in relationships. I wasn't interested. I've never been interested in one night stands. I've always never wanted deep intimacy. And at that point, it was deep intimacy with myself that I had to recreate and actually in some ways find for the first time in this life experience. So 
myself and just listening to my truth that was getting louder and louder was part of my teacher as well. Our souls, I believe, when we can even start to have the tiniest connection with our soul, that truth, that love, that beauty, that wisdom that you said, you know, that you read off my page, that to me is what it's about. That to me is that connection with soul and that to me is the guide, the ultimate guide. And and we have others that come along. But the travel, the going within, wherever I was, is key. But externally, yes, travel, living abroad, having different experiences that challenged me, that made me really question. And reading, like absolutely submerging myself in text, like you said, Buddhism, that was a key thing for me to expand my mind and assist in reopening up my heart um, before I was ready to have another relationship, before then I was ready for my next teacher. And and now I, I absolutely have a teacher, but it took me a very long time to find this person. And this is this has probably been the key teacher of my life besides, I'd say, my mother and my own soul. Mm-hmm. This person, not a teacher in the sense of, oh, they challenge me and we're growing together. No, no, I mean an actual teacher who is further along the path than I am and who I'm actually able to learn from in depth and be able to apply and therefore accelerate my growth. So I'm deeply grateful for that. But it wasn't like we just crossed paths and it just, you know, was how I wanted it to be when I wanted it to be. I had to do the work to be ready for this teacher as well. So in those times, as we just mentioned before in the break, it can feel isolated. And Mm I've never felt, perhaps because I grew up as an only child before my father remarried and had two more beautiful children who are now my brother and sister, but I have spent that time as, as an only child. So I have always been able to amuse myself and, and seek to find what I needed. So I've never felt lonely, but it is it is a lone journey. It is a solo journey. And if you are choosing to commit to the path, even if you are surrounded by people, and I found this really interesting when I was living in Paris, I'd be on the metro and you would be around all all these people, yet you'd feel mm. utterly alone. And I'm sure you've experienced that as well, you know, coming from South America where there's, you know, high congestion of people. Mm-hmm. You can, doesn't matter if you're alone in a room on your meditation mat or you're around people. It's, it's the journey within. And when you are on a different path to other people, when you see things differently because you're a little bit more awake, a little bit more open with the eye and the heart and the mind, you realize not everyone sees this. Not everyone wants to see this. Not everyone wants to experience beyond the comfort zone of every day. When you do and you step out of that conventional bubble, yes, it's going to be challenging at times because you realize you can't just pick up the phone and talk to anyone about this because they're not going to get you. Mm-hmm. People won't get you. They can't see you for who you are. They will see you as the mother. They will see you as the girlfriend. They'll see you as the friend who they can always talk to, who they can always call, who can they always rely on, right? Because you're the rock mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. But it's not always easy to find someone who can be that person for you. This is why I believe the path is solo to strengthen our will to also kind of kill off the personality a little bit, at least get it in alignment to come underneath, to be controlled by the heart and the mind. So the ego doesn't die. It just needs to be controlled. And when we can then rise above that personality ego of our wants and needs and desires, and let's just say shifting from sex to intimacy and love, when that shift starts happening, we realize we aren't alone because we have connections to something that's greater than us. However, we deem that, whether you believe it's a hierarchy, God, goddess, universe, divine, Buddha, but fundamentally within ourselves, it's our soul. So I feel if we can connect to that, when we feel like we're, you know, floating aimlessly along the stream alone, if we can reach out for that lifeline that is our soul to go within, to sit in contemplation, to sit in meditation, to let go of what doesn't serve, to put the phone away, to get off social media, 
that's when we can start coming back to our truth, that love, right. that wisdom, that absolute beauty and the shifts can be made and we can then kind of release ourselves of the burden of, of feeling alone. I think what happened is people who, who think they know us, they label us. So th- that's a primal survival instinct. Anytime we see someone or we know someone, we put them in a box. Okay. So she is, she's a doctor. She has, was born here. She is such age. She has a partner. You see, you put people in compartments like a label because for us in our primal in our, our primal mindset is I know this person because this person do this and she is this and she's that. But when you show up with your authentic self, you no longer fit the box they put you in. So they feel uncomfortable because that none person uh, um, in, in terms of um, label, the, the, they feel like they don't know you anymore. But if you stay right there instead of shifting to what they think you are, to who they think you are, you you are standing for yourself. And mm-hmm. with that, I would like to uh, move on to the one of the articles I really like is the three phases to evolving the feminine because women are just absolutely clueless about their femininity. Um, I think the 60s has... Um, a little bit of um, um, overboard, you know, issue with women and the uh, female liberation in the 60s that um, think of uh, they almost have a conflict with men. You know, like I, I'm, I, I want to be leveled up with, with men. The, the, the relationship with male and, and female and sometimes um, – I, I, so I, I wanted to talk about the primal emotional and heart that you mentioned in that article. Mm-hmm. And so can we dig there in that, in that area of yeah. um, how women can find their femininity? Sure. It's like you mentioned, I mean, this has been around for some time now because as you said at the beginning of this, this kind of questioning, it's because we live in a society that's heavily run by patriarchy, that it's very compartmentalized. When you say everything needs to be in boxes, so it's safe and logical and people get us because we're this or we're that, we do this, we do that. Mm-hmm. The actual power of the feminine tapping into that femininity, that absolute most sacred unique beautiful essence that is you and is utterly unique to you as a woman i'm talking about here mm-hmm. that getting into that space in your heart space is where the real power is and it doesn't matter if you wear pants or not it doesn't matter if you're outspoken or not it doesn't matter if you know you have to stampede your way through your career or not in fact that's actually not feminine if we step back and we're able to actually value what feminine qualities are, we'd shift our perspective. But we've lost that. Unfortunately, we've lost that because we've had to be so masculine to be seen and heard. But now that job is done to some degree. We need to kind of swing the pendulum back to harmony, mm-hmm. you know, and and find a ground where we can be ourselves and be true to ourselves and actually therefore resonate more because it's only that we've had to do it that we did it if that kind of makes sense, like with women and you think of feminism and how we had to kind of fight to to get our voice out there. 
Now we don't need to do that as much. I'm not saying there's perfect equality. There's discrepancies in pay. We can see that in, in many fields, if not all fields. That's just one example. And obviously, let's say the domestic work, how much women do compared to men. There's, there are discrepancies. But instead of us fighting fire with fire and mm-hmm. yelling and screaming and shouting to be heard and pushing our way through, to tap into the heart space, yeah. to get into a state of Elise, what I want. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you up, but we'll be back after the commercials. We'll be back momentarily with more of the Intimacy Connection talk show with hosts Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer. It's When I was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog-a-ma-dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Most diet soft drinks have zero calories and are virtually harmless if you drink them on a regular basis. Right? Wrong. The New York Times reports that studies have suggested that diet soft drinks may be linked to type 2 diabetes, abdominal obesity, high blood pressure, and other risk factors. An analysis published in the Journal of General Internal Medicine found that diet and regular soft drink consumption were both associated with a number of risk factors for cardiovascular disease. They state that even after controlling many of those risks, the researchers found that daily consumption of diet soda was still independently associated with an increased risk of stroke, heart attack, and death. Bottom line, omit drinking diet sodas altogether or drink them only on special occasions. I'm Annette Hammond. We are back to continue our conversation with our hosts, Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer, on the Intimacy Connection talk show. And we are having a conversation this morning with the lady behind StellaMuse.com. She's... Elise Carr, and we are having a conversation more and more, digging more deep into the shadows that human beings have to contend with to awaken. And one of the the ways we would like to um, segue is talking about the archetypes to deal with your shadows and what entail to really dig up all the, the dark side of the shadows that we bring up from our parents, from society, and to become the new you. Yes, and this is such a powerful area to 
explore and sometimes we don't like exploring it especially in the new age we've mm. got this kind of perception that surrounds us of everything needs to be pretty and shiny and there's crystals and unicorns and just embrace the positivity and the good vibes and think positively and manifest all these kind of things which you know have their place but it's kind of like shifting from sometimes the children's play pool to actually getting into the diving pool and that means instead of just exploring the light we need to go into the darkness and and we can look at this like going into the heroine's journey because the heroine's journey goes into the shadows. Mm-hmm. It goes into confronting what we call, you know, the dark mother or the dark goddess or actually ourselves, as we kind of touched on just before in the break. And this requires a lot of a lot of patience with yourself because often along this path, especially like we just touched on before with women feeling they need to be more masculine to be seen and heard and, and a very patriarchal society that we live in, because of that, we've created this kind of superwoman mentality where we feel we have to be strong. You know, if it hurts, you just pick yourself up and you keep going because you've got to do things for the kids. You've got to do things for your partner. You've got to do things, you know, to get the job done. And mm-hmm. therefore... We brush things aside and we push them down and down and down and we often push them down into our sacred sex center. We push them down to the bottom of our hearts. We don't actually feel, and this kind of goes back into what we are talking about before about tapping into that heart feminine space. We don't often give ourselves the time to feel into what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. We are more likely to either be extremely erratic and, you know, throw shoes, scream and shout, or sometimes cry but not understand why because we're so emotional perhaps premenstrual sometimes it can connect to our cycle other times it can be just a catalyst that sets us off other times we suppress it and ignore it because it's either the too hard basket or quite frankly we don't have the time for that because we've got 30 other things to do on our checklist before 7 a.m so we're kind of at two extremes here so once again just like with coming into our heart this is exactly in alignment with that we need to come into that space which kind of means you have to create some time and space for yourself otherwise eventually you're either going to miss the opportunity to go deep or you're going to be thrown into it if it's totally part of your destiny and you're not going to know what's going on people often can misconstrued the dark night of the soul like a a spiritual awakening or a spiritual breaking down as, you know, a mental issue or as an emotional imbalance. Now, sometimes Mm -hmm. people therefore don't get the right care or guidance or support at these times. So it's not easy if you're feeling like your world is crumbling around you, that there's no joy anymore, that you don't know what the point of anything is anymore, that you are feeling extremely emotional, vulnerable, sensitive beyond what you've ever experienced before. Not just sensitive to other people, but sensitive to yourself. Like a comment can really wound you deeply and you're like, why does that hurt so much? And it can spiral from there into you being into a space of this vulnerability and emotional kind of pain, really, to the point Mm -hmm. of you could actually feel your heart aching. Now, it can be quite micro, as in within yourself, or it can be quite macro, where you start to feel the pain of, let's say, your country, the pain of the, the Mother Earth, Mm-hmm. Now, this is a deep shifting time. This is a dark night of the soul. We have to understand it's a phase you go through if you're on the path because parts of you are starting to die off. Like I mentioned at the beginning on, on my path, that was the darkest time of my life at that point. I've since mm-hmm. gone through other dark times because we have more than one dark night of the soul experience on the path. But at that point, 
for me in the simplest form, it was my identification with who I thought I was, what I thought I was. So when that starts to die away and you feel quite isolated and alone and very vulnerable and very emotional and people may not get you, you don't know who to reach out to, you don't know who to speak to, perhaps that's the point where you do need a lifeline. And if you find it challenging to do the work on your own because it can feel very scary at times and you might not even know yourself anymore and you might think things are going crazy or you're going crazy, Mm -hmm. to be able to reach out to someone that you can trust, whether it's a loved one or a professional that you might you know, search or someone you know, don't be afraid to reach out and seek some guidance and share your experiences because there might be someone who can assist you and give you some guidance. And and also in that space, trying to be as understanding of yourself as possible, which is very challenging when you're swimming in the pain and the emotion of it. But know that like everything, as we believe in, in a Buddhist practice, you know, everything passes. Nothing stays the same. You will get through this. It is just a shift in your perception because your consciousness is shifting. So it's actually the most painful thing you may go through purely to get you into a lighter, more joyful space than you've ever experienced. And that's kind of the beauty of the pain. We say like even in in fashion, you know, like wearing stilettos, as I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know, Jacqueline, there's no beauty without pain. If we take this beyond just a very physical fashion, superficial world and take this to a spiritual world, it's still the same thing. There is deep spiritual pain to get to spiritual growth. So honor this. It's a very sacred time. It's a very beautiful time. But yes, it's a very painful time. Nothing can make that better. And and I say it with a slight laughter because I guess I've been through it and I, I know how deeply, deeply hurting someone can be in that point. But it is for your greater good because there is trauma within you. There is heartache within you. There is neglect and abandonment or abuse. All these things that we've pushed aside for years that eventually need to bubble up, that you need to feel into, that you need to be able to release and let go of so that you can be lighter, so you can be mm-hmm. a clearer channel and therefore serve better. Right. And I, I, as I understand, you help a male and female, also couples. So how do you deal with a couple when you notice, if you have, you interview them, I don't know what is the process you utilize to when, when you are hired someone to transition into their higher self. How do you, do you do individually with a male for, uh, male, female together? Ex- explain the process, how you do to, uh, get people that in that space. Sure. It's, very varied, as I said, because people will come to me at different stages of their relationship as a, as a couple and also mm-hmm. individuals. So as an example, what I see in relationships, people who often are struggling to work things out, and this doesn't matter if they've been together for a short time or a long time, it's sometimes because one person wants to grow and evolve and another person feels comfortable in in the safety of where they are. Now, this can be sexually. This mm-hmm. can be in moving countries this can be professionally it can be romantically however it it is it can transpire in in any guise the point is that if both of you aren't on the same page there's going to be a conflict so either the person who wants this growth who perhaps might be a little bit more spiritually evolved or more emotionally evolved they either have to dim their light and somewhat suppress it to kind of stay with their beloved 
or the person who hasn't been willing to shift has to be open to expansion and growth and listening and learning and making baby steps and changes to somehow start escalating their growth and, and meet their beloved. If this can't happen, then eventually there will be a break because you can't suppress light for that long. And the person who's evolved cannot suppress their light or dim it because they've got a calling. They need to go out there and serve. And if the person that they're with doesn't want to grow with them, it won't happen. So that's something that I see a lot. And as I said, this dance can be in all different ways, whether that's moving from a sex life to a sacred sexual life or whether it's something really big like I want to change my career or I want to have a child or anything like that. So mm -hmm. this to me comes down to communication, making sure that there is harmony and that both parties are able to express themselves from a place of loving kindness and compassion, non-judgment, mm -hmm. humility. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And then the kind of the dance, we're talking about a relationship of a man and a woman here, the dance of masculine feminine that a woman in her ultimate feminine needs to feel seen and held and heard and cherished. She needs that or she won't feel safe enough to get into that heart space and tap into that most divinely feminine part of her. She won't be able to flourish and shine her brightest light. In order for that to happen, the man has to be able to be stepping into a divinely masculine space, holding sacred space, meaning holding her in that. So if she's going through a dark night of the soul or going through a traumatic experience or just Every day to day, being able to physically hold her, emotionally hold her, mentally hold her, sexually hold her. So we need to also be able to get couples to see this harmony and how they can strengthen that, explore that, deepen that in their relationship. That's another really important part of couples work as well that I find. Mm -hmm. And uh, and sometimes, and I don't know if this ever happened in your um, career as a counselor or, or coach, where sometimes you have to leave that partner because you you realize after you know probably doing a few sessions with you, they realize this person is not in the same program and it's never gonna be in the same program. Therefore, I have to let him go. I have yeah. to let her go. You you deal with the attachment because I was, most of the time we cling on that person because we identify with them. And exp explain to me how, how do you, because that's big, how do you tell someone, look, maybe you have to abandon this relationship for your own good. Have yeah, I'm very, I'm very cautious with that because it's very challenging. I've had couples come to me where they're at that kind of breaking point. It can go either way. And one of the things I say is that through this process, both of you will have clarity in the sense that you will know after perhaps even one session, which let's say might be a deep dive of two hours, they will have a better clarity, better perception, better, better vision of knowing if we're going to do this or we're not. I will know straight away. I can tell by their body language. I can tell by what they say, how they interact. I will know straight away if that couple is going to make it or not. But I don't tell them that. It is not my place. I'm not here right. to, to play, you know, destiny commander or to play god or goddess. They need to take that journey themselves. They need to explore it themselves. It might mean that they'll come back and see me a few more times or they will disappear and then I'll hear from one of them later down the track who wants to come see me after a few months. So to me, it's about giving them the tools Asking them the thought-provoking, heart-provoking questions for them to contemplate and come to their own realization. That's why I say I'm more of a guide. That's why this is psychology of the soul that I bring to the party. So in that sense, I let them do the work. I kind of create them that sacred space to feel safe enough to explore it so that they feel less judgment or they can explore it from a place of more love than anger and frustration and then they don't feel like it's 
a breakdown and it's the end of their world, that they can see that this is for the greater good. That's the ultimate aim. It doesn't always go so beautifully and peacefully because not everyone has the perception to kind of see it from that way. But that's my aim at least, to support them through whatever it is that they're going through and for them to understand that it's not a need if this is just a sexual fixation or just an emotional fixation. We have to be able to get them to understand there's a bigger picture here. Someone else will be able to nourish your journey more. You might need time alone. All these kind of factors need to come into play. Wow, that is such a process, and I think it's respecting each individual. We'll be back after the commercials to continue this conversation. Stay tuned. We will be back momentarily with more of the Intimacy Connection Talk Show with hosts Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. For those of us trying to maintain our weight or even lose weight, holiday dinners can spell disaster. Don't let holiday dinners spoil your healthy lifestyle. It's okay to taste a little of everything, but be sure to stop after the first plate. Don't go back for seconds. It's always best to use a salad plate as your main plate because you'll fill it up quickly and feel as if you're eating a lot of food. Fill up on nourishing vegetables and fruit and take small portions of other food being offered. Be sure to drink lots of water during the day to give you the feeling of fullness. If you're the one cooking the meal, let somebody else taste test it for you. And don't nibble all day. By incorporating these few important steps, you'll be able to make it through the holidays with more jingle and less jiggle. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. We are back to continue our conversation with our hosts, Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer, on the Intimacy Connection Talk Show. And today we are talking with the lady behind StellaMuse.com. She's Elise Carr, and she has been giving us so many information and tips how to turn around our life. This very complicated life that we inherited when we are born, we are born in certain family and certain society, religion, um, things that make us who we are and make us believe that that's who we are. But we are here to tell you with Elise that that's not who you are. You are divine, beautiful, and just bursting to be born. So let's imagine, Elise, someone, uh, let's say a female, because usually women are more open for this kind of awakening. We're just more prompt to seek out guidance for this type of um, life crisis. 
and she comes to you. She's, she's a total mess. Uh, her relationship's stumbling. She's probably on the verge of a divorce or splitting up with her uh, partner. She's very insecure about her financial means. Uh, she's afraid how, how can I make this work for me? Um, the divorce and the children and, and everything. How, how do you take them by their hands? I mean, t- tell me, uh, let's imagine how you would approach this. Mm. As soon as you said, you know, how do you take them by the hand? I'm like, I want to take them by the soul and the heart as well. Mm-hmm. And I have had women exactly in this position come to me. So it's fascinating that you just kind of gave that, you mm-hmm. know, that symbolic archetype there. To me, obviously, they, they need to share their story. They need someone to listen to them. As I mentioned at the very beginning, women need to feel safe. And in order for them to feel safe in a sacred space, especially let's say me as the space provider, as the professional, not the beloved, but still need to create that space, that means they need to feel seen and held and heard and cherished. Now, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to hold them while they cry in my arms. I'm going to hold them with my energy. So they're going to feel my fierce presence. They're going to feel that they can say no matter what to me, and I'm not going to judge them. I'm absolutely here for them on their side to support and guide them. So I create that sense of trust. And that's something that I create, yes, with my energy, how I show up, how I'm with them, the conversations we may have had previously before they've come through my door. Because I'll have a chat on the phone. There might be a couple of emails. So that space, first and foremost, is really important, as well as the physical setting that I create, because I want them to feel so safe that they can just crumble and fall apart on the chair, or that they just know that it's okay, that I'm safe here. That is so, so important. And if any woman listening right now has ever had that experience with a beloved, with their partner, with a friend even, you know what it feels like when someone kind of has got you. It's, it's amazing. You can kind of exhale. That's really first and foremost essential. From mm-hmm. there, once I have an understanding of, of their story, their experience, I, I find a door in. And sometimes it's starting with the children. Sometimes it's the partner. And that's part of it. That's kind of like the secondary though. The most important thing is for me to express to them that they have got this, that they have the capacity to work through this. Because sometimes when we feel like we have nothing to hold on to, I need to give them an entry point into going within so they start to know there's an inner strength within them. Even if it's a tiny little flame in their heart, I need to assist them in finding it so they can start fanning that flame so it can become a little bit stronger, a little bit brighter. For me, this is about creating a non-negotiable practice. Let's say a morning practice. And as an example, what I what I did for one woman who was in this position was assisting her in creating a really simple meditation practice where I say simple, but it's profound if you commit to the work. Simple in the sense of it was two-part. One, I got her to sit there in a space where she felt comfy when she just woken up and been to the bathroom and got a drink and was able to just to be in her space mm-hmm. and to ask, what am I feeling? What am I feeling right now? Now, if you sit with that question, it's not just, okay, I'm feeling a bit tired, my neck feels a bit sore, I feel a bit funny. It's like, no, no, go deeper. Or, I feel a bit funny in my tummy or I've got this not feeling or I feel this this tightness in my throat. And what's that connected to? I want you to follow the rabbit hole down to a point of where you might get to this space where you're like, I feel abandoned. I feel left. I feel fear because I don't know where the money's going to come from. That's where I want you to get to. And mm-hmm. following that, following that, and following that, and what does it connect to? And maybe it connects to with this disconnect you had with your father when you were 10 years old. Or maybe it connects to when you first met your partner and this happened. Whatever it is, we need to sometimes get back to that point 
not to relive it, to rehash it, to go through the pain of it for, for that point, but to get to that realization of why you are feeling the way you do, why it's all still connected, why this perhaps played out your entire life, why this is your default. What I'm teaching the woman in this simple process is to start to learn to read her own cycles, her own patterns, and therefore start to know thyself. When she starts to know herself better, she can start to therefore be witness, pull back, start to be aware when she makes that same decision that, hang on a minute, I'm not going to do that again. I want to break this cycle. I want to break this pattern because I want to break what I've been doing my whole life because I want something more. I want something Mm -hmm. else. This hasn't nourished me. I've got to wake up from this sleep. So that one little question of what am I feeling right now can go very, very deep. And you might be there for a couple of minutes. You might be there for 25 minutes. You might cry because you suddenly realize that this one comment, experience, painful relationship had such an impact on you and you've been carrying it this whole time, but you actually hadn't unpackaged the gift because you actually hadn't felt into the pain and the trauma and how much it impacted you at that time. And now after probably six, 10 years, 30 years, who knows, could even be six months, now you're ready because now you want to do the work. So that's the other thing. She has to come to me being prepared to do the work because this isn't easy. I'm not a handholder in that regard. Right. I want her. To, I want her to have that desire. And if she's come to my door, then that's part of it, right? But that means then she has to commit to herself. So I'm not going to be doing follow up calls, going have you done your homework. She has to have some little bit. And of course, I'm going to guide and support and prompt. But I can't force. We can't force the soul. We can't force creativity. We can force with personality. We can force with ego. But heart and mind and soul cannot be forced, especially the feminine. We have to invite and let it feel safe enough to unfurl. That's kind of why I set that beginning premise of setting kind of like, you know, the flower bed for the flower to want to blossom. So that mm-hmm. first part is, you know, what am I feeling right now? And from there, when she's explored that and perhaps a trauma has come up to be released, perhaps some emotions have come up to be released and she feels a little lighter or maybe there's just that little bit of flame growth within her heart, I want her to raise then the energy, kind of moving away from the pain and the trauma and that kind of personality space and the emotional space to going into a place of what do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And what do I want to feel gives an opportunity of actually I have a choice here. If I can think of what do I want to feel, what if I want to feel joy? What if I want to feel love? Start to understand there are opportunities that you can shift from where you are to where you want to be. So we're giving a little bit of light, light in the darkness just by putting that on the table. And when you feel into that, you know, what I want to feel, most often it always comes back to love. Mm-hmm. And then we don't always know what that feels like. Like really, like we know we're loved, our partner may love us or did love us or our children love us or our mom loves us or whatever it is, our best friend. But I want to get into that space of what does it feel like to be loved? Mm -hmm. And that's really big. Not all women can go there. And sometimes we need to bring in visualization of let's say even a masculine energy engulfing us and just holding us in that space of love to start inhaling, breathing in, drinking in love, even if it's in a meditation, even if it's in a visualization, to start to understand it is there, it is in reach, there's a possibility. I mean, that's just one simple technique that I find has been quite powerful for many women. And that's a practice that I like to do daily as well. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, and, and then the work progressed to working with the her femininity or working with her career, 
perhaps changing her career, perhaps for the first time realizing that I never should have gone to college to become a doctor. I have, I, I, I always, I, I just did it because my parents expect me to do. Or, um, I, I have, I had children and I, I'm, you know, I, I struggle to, to confront who I, I am right now. Or, um, my, my sexuality is, I'm, I'm questioning my sexuality. I'm, I'm questioning, I mean, I'm questioning everything. So, and then from the next, the next, once she finds herself, now she has to make real changes. She either have to uh, divorce, she has to uh, become more dedicated to herself as opposed to be just a mother, you know, just taking all the weight to being a mother or um, maybe a, an executive who has a very high responsibility in, in a corporate world, just drop everything and, and start self-care. Yes. Right. Often, often it can be a gradual shift. Sometimes certain things break down, like it might be the relationship before the career. Sometimes it is all in one go. And that's often because even if she feels very fragile, she has the capacity to do it because she's stronger than what she thinks she is. She's stronger than what she's ever felt because she's got a strong heart or strong soul, not a strong personality, maybe, or it could be the way around. The point is, no matter what it is, even when we talk tangibly about, okay, now she's got to do the real work, she has to keep coming back to her truth, keep coming back to what is my truth, keep coming back to what am I feeling, because that's going to be her guide. That's like her you know, north star, so to speak. So as long as we keep getting her to go within each time and not feel so externalized and having to keep somehow balancing these hats, as long as she knows she's got a safe space to come to and that, yes, I'm always there. I do say that, that I'm there for emergency calls. I'm there for emergency sessions. So she's got someone. And I also like to see if there's someone else that she can also go to, whether it's someone she can speak to or hang out with and even just, you know, grab a hot drink with after work or something like that. Not as if she needs to, but sometimes that's nice. But just reminding her that if she has that ability to go within, to find that calm, that peace, that quiet, that's when we know in the calm and in the quiet, the wisdom can come through because it has an opportunity to speak. Her heart and soul can direct her from that space. If she doesn't go into that space, only her personality will dictate. And often that can be very overwhelming. It can be very judgmental. It can be very critical. It can also be very painful because it can be quite hurtful. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you are along the path, if you keep coming back to within, that's that truth and love and wisdom and beauty that we touched on at the beginning, that will be able to guide you no matter where you are, no matter how traumatic, no matter how painful, no matter how much chaos is going on, it will assist you in being the calm in the storm, in finding mm-hmm. light in the darkness. And that is absolutely non-negotiable at any point of anyone's life, especially if we're going through trauma or challenging times. Wow, that was something. I I am actually taking notes of what you said because it it will serve me too. Um, the time has flown away from our hands. We are already at the tail end of our show today with Elise Carr. And how people can reach out to you? Stella Muse is your website, and you also are on social media. I am. The best way to connect with me is on my website, which is stellamuse.com, and that's Stella with an A. There's a contact page there. If something resonates, you're welcome to connect with me and write if, if you feel I can serve your journey more. And the article we mentioned today about, you know, the femininity and the heart, I'll share that with you, Jacqueline, so you can put that up for your listeners as well yes. if, if that resonates. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us. I learned a lot myself and I know the audience have too. We'll be back with Intimacy Connection Talk Show in seven days.
our show today. We'll be returning in one week with more of the Intimacy Connection Talk Show to discuss other hot topics on intimacy and relationships with your hosts, Jacqueline Lopez and Michael Russer. You can also listen to all our previous shows on TogiNet, iTunes, and SoundCloud.